Clary phrase seeing things. Vampires in Brooklyn and werewolves in Manhattan. Irresistibly drawn to the Shadow Hunters, a secret cater of warriors dedicated to ridding the world of demons. Clary encounters the dark side of New York City and the dangers of forbidden love. That is the general synopsis that is written on one of my editions of this week's book called City of Bones, written by Cassandra Clare, since we have now officially entered Cassandra Clare Month. So I, I said one of my editions because I want to mention this. So for those of you who follow me on Instagram, I'm going to put, as soon as this episode gets out, I'm going to put a picture of that uh, online because I actually have two editions of this book. One is a paperback edition, which is the one I just read from, because the other one doesn't have a backside that says anything except for all the stories are true, which is kind of a general theme in the books, and I'm going to explain that later. But uh, that is because it is the 10th anniversary edition, and I just wanted to uh, acknowledge that because it is a very beautiful edition. It's a big hardcover blue book with silver silver um, special marks on the front and you can see some things about the book and it's, it's just very beautiful it has also uh, gold covered sides and some pictures of characters inside and what is very important for the start of this because you all know that we always start off with the characters which is which is very important because this special book has after the acknowledgements a little extra part with um, the and it is called the official clave files. I'm going to explain what the clave is in a minute, but it's um, just descriptions and things we know about the characters. And I'm going to actually put my um, character description, draw that from that, and a little part from the book. So the clave is. Um, in general the government because in this book we have um, the normal humans and then we have which is going to be very important the shadow hunters and there are uh, a demon hunting and killing let's say organization and their government is the clave and they have files on all of the characters which is what I want to start out with today so uh, let's start with the most important characters and one of them was already featured on the back of the book. Clary Frey. Actually, her name is Clarissa Adele Fairchild. And you're going to find out why she isn't called that on the back of the book. But uh, it says this about her. Birth date, August 23, 1991. Scars, physical characteristics. Red hair, green eyes, star-shaped scar on left shoulder. Voyance rune on right hand. Applied without clave approval. I'm going to talk about that later on in the plot. And then, it, and then it also says things about her point of interest, strength, weaknesses and everything like that. Signif significant relationships. But since that would be spoilery, I, I'm just going to tell you that it is in here. And if anyone, uh, I don't know if this version is still available, but in case anyone does get it, it is a very interesting section and just in general this book version is so beautiful. And before we pres and before we go on, I want to read a description about Clary from in general the book. It is about Clary and her mum. Her mum is called Jocelyn Frey. Jocelyn Fairchild is what she was born as. And I want to read this out about her because it kind of compares them. 
Jocelyn Frey was a slim, compact woman, her hair a few shades darker than Clary's and twice as long. At the moment it was twisted up in a dark red knot, stuck through with a graphite pen to hold it in place. She wore paint-splattered overalls over a lavender t-shirt and brown hiking boots whose soles were caked with oil paint. People always told Clary that she looked like her mother, but she couldn't see it herself. The only thing that was similar about them was their figures. They were both slender with small chests and narrow hips. She knew she wasn't beautiful like her mother was. To be beautiful you had to be willowy and tall. When you were as short as Clary was, just over five feet, you were cute. Not pretty or beautiful, but cute. Throwing carroty hair and a face full of freckles, and she was a raggedy end to her mother's Barbie doll. And it's interesting how uh, throughout the book, uh, Clary doesn't really seem to seriously have in a positive way. Well, it's like that was with most young adult books, I think. And uh, I'm going to mention that this book is a young adult book, and I think part of why, and you're gonna see that in my general um, part of the book. Why I love it is just because I have history with this book. So Cassandra Clare, I chose her because she is my favorite author. And I've been reading her book since primary school, so about 4th, 5th grade, when my then best friend introduced me to them. So um, my <sighs> opinion of the book sometimes may be a bit clouded by that. So I just want to put that little disclaimer on here. And going on... It is like that with many main characters in young adult books. They don't really see themselves as that special, even though they are, and everyone else sees them as really beautiful. And you might say that would make her Mary Sue. But I personally don't think so, because throughout the book we see her fail, we see her really not being perfect at everything like Mary Sue would be. And I think uh, for... I have read many young adult books, and in comparison, she... She is a pretty good character, and I think she's also pretty relatable at times, and I really like her personally. So there are main, main characters that you may not like, but she isn't one of them, I'd say. Then next we have Jace Wayland, who I... Um, and I can only tell you part of this. His full name is Jonathan Christopher, and we also find out something about his last name. But uh, I only want to slightly announce that because... Well, it gets important. Anyway, while, like I just said, Clary doesn't really see herself as beautiful, Jace is probably the polar opposite. He uh, is good-looking and he knows it. So this is what is written about him. Birthday, July 24th, 1990, but also April 4th, 1990. What is up with that? You will find out. Scars or physical, physical characteristics? Blonde hair, gold eyes, voyance rune on left hand, parabatai rune on right forearm. So the runes, and I'm going to get in on this later, but runes are like magical tattoos, I would describe them as. So there is for once, as um, every shadow hunter can have them, and there is for once, which is often written here, the voyance rune, which is... Um, it's a rune that kind of allows them to really see the magical world and I'm going to mention that again in chapter 1 so I'd like you to remember that and also I think that chapter 3 and the Parabatai rune um, Parabatai is a bond that is pretty important throughout all of the book series focusing on the Shadowhunters it's kind of like 
family but closer. So peripatides are magically linked and they can draw on each other's they can draw on each other's strength and help each other during a fight. And they're just two very close people. But what is important to remember throughout all the book series is that the only thing they are not allowed to do is date. So it's probably good if you're a parapetite with a sibling. And you can also get become parapetite till you're, if I remember it right, 18? Yeah. So he is one of the first three shadow hunters we meet in chapter one. The other, the other two are Isabel and Alexander Lightwood. So I'm going to talk about Isabel next. Her full name is Isabel Sophia Lightwood. She was born on May 15th, 1991. So she is younger than Jace. And she has dark hair, dark eyes, described as black ink. She also has this, this voyance rune, which is um, kind of like an eye. I'm going to put a picture on that up on Instagram too, if anyone is interested. On her right hand. So everyone has that on her right hand. Very interesting about her is that uh, she's really good at combat, especially with her whip. So we often see her fight with that. The other, um, the other one, his full name is Alexander Gideon Lightwood, but he's mostly in, uh, referred to as Alec, and a certain person later on full on as Alexander. He was born on September 12th, 1989, so he's the oldest one out of all of them. And he has black hair too, but blue eyes. He too has the voyance rune, and he has a parabatai rune on his right shoulder which is because he is Jace's parabatai and I want you to remember that too because I will bring it up again in my plot notes when I will talk about these two. So a next very important character is um, Jocelyn Fairchild which is like I mentioned Clary's mom and I mentioned her before in the characteristics so she has red hair, green eyes and she too has a star shaped scar on the inside of her left wrist. Also, she too has the voyance rune, and she was born on February 2nd, 1970. Um, then we have Luke Garroway, or as is, as is written here, Lucian Greymark, born on January 3, 1970. So he's mostly just named Luke, and you're going to find out, find out in the book why a different name is written down here. He has brown hair, blue eyes, and glasses. He is... Well, we meet him as a normal human, but uh, I want you to remember that he's not. So, um, when reading the book, this will become pretty obvious and we will find out what he actually is. But I'm not going to get into this, I just want to tell you this because it is an interesting, interesting fact about him and also um, makes up for a whole plot point with uh, the main antagonist of the books. So then next we have Marys Lightwood, born Trueblood, and she is the mother of Alec and Isabel. She was born on, on the 30th of October 1968. She has dark hair too and blue eyes, and she also has a voyance rune as all of them. Then last but not least, we have, where is his file? Robert Lightwood, and he is their dad. He was born on the 17th of September 1965. He has dark hair too, dark blue eyes, and a voyance rune on his right hand. So this is something they all have in common. And 
Well, he's, for example, a character that I think the first book doesn't really get into, but he gets very important. So I thought I'd mention him. And well, he's not so he's not really for me a likable character, which you will find out if you read the series. And next we have uh, Simon Lewis, and he's kind of the only real normal person in this group because he is a normal human. He was born on the 17th of October 1990. He has brown hair, brown eyes and glasses, he plays in a band and he's kind of your typical nerd. Well, except for that he plays in a band but they mostly just try to find a band name and don't really do music at first. And he is Clary's best friend and it later turns out that he's also in love with her. I mean, who, who would have guessed? <laughs> and then we have Valentine Morgenstern, or Morgenstern, if you would pronounce it in German. And he was born on the 29th of November 1968. He has white hair, black eyes, and a volume thrown on his left hand. And I want you to remember the name, because uh, he he's a important character but not in a positive way. These are all just the characters you have to know beforehand, kind of you don't have to but I'm going to tell you so that I don't have to do it throughout the book. There is one character, well I guess two characters that I'm going to mention later again so we're going to return to the official clay files. But now let's actually start up with the book after well more than 10 minutes of character descriptions. So we start out with Clary and Simon, the best friends, trying to get into an all-age club called the Pandemonium. There is a waiting line though and at the front of that is a very attractive boy. Well, he's described as cute by Clary and he has blue hair and kind of jokes around with the bouncer of the club saying he's a vampire hunter because it is kind of costume night as well. and he at first it looks like he can't get in because he carries a stake with him and it is said no weapons but in the end he gets in and then the next part of the chapter is from his uh, kind of point of view which at first you would seem to find weird but as we find out he isn't a normal human and that is very important because he spots someone in the crowd. So he talks about how he doesn't like, as he calls them, mundanes, which I'm going to tell you is, if you've read Harry Potter, is like muggle. And it's kind of the word for normal humans without any kind of special powers or anything. And we then later find out that he is a demon. And then he spots someone in the crowd, um, to be more specific, he spots a girl, and that girl is Isabel. He um, he's attracted to her, let's say that. She is wearing a white dress and the big red pendant. This pendant I want you to remember too when you read the books actually, because it too gets important. There are many things with Cassie's books, so she's called Cassie on Instagram, which is why I'm just going to say that now. And um, it's a thing about her books because many little actions she makes a character take are gonna be very important later and many little um, informations or even jewelry is uh, put all across her book series because they, are, they all play in different times. 
So this is for example I think 2005 or 2007, I'm not completely sure. And this is a very interesting thing because she's very good with foreshadowing, but sometimes even I don't know what to, I don't even know what to call it. I don't know backshadowing because some things have to do with their ancestors who are um, what the books that play in a earlier timeline. I'm going to actually review one of these later this month. Um, focuses on, but anyway. They uh, kind of walk into a storage closet, and while that happens, Clary is watching it. And um, while well, that is Simon, who I think it is very noticeable that he's in love with her because he desperately tries to get her attention, and it is said that he hates the pandemonium, but he still goes with her because she likes it. <laughs> I just find him to be a very funny character at times because I just want to read out a little quote what he says while he tries to get her attention because he says I wanted to tell you that lately I've been cross-dressing also I'm sleeping with your mum I thought you should know she obviously doesn't notice that because she too is enchantedly staring at Isabel and the demon boy whose name we don't find out so I'm guessing he doesn't have one as most demons probably do so she doesn't notice what Simon says, but what she does notice is Isabel leading the boy into the storage room. And she at first thinks that is normal because apparently people often have sex in there in the club. But what is not normal is that two other guys walk behind them in the room and she thinks that she sees one of them holding up a knife. So she kind of frantically turns to Simon and he at first thinks that she reacted to his comment but uh, she tells him what she saw and he runs off to find security. Meanwhile she can't leave it be and follows them into the storage room. And this is where we first meet the Shadowhunters because uh, she walks into the room and at first she sees nothing. Because um, that is a thing with all of the Shadowhunters and what they call the Shadow World and all the magic that involves them. One of the one of these magic things is a glamour and that is something warlocks can use, demons can use, the shadow hunters can use but in different ways so that you can't see them. And that is also why when she walks into the storage room she at first can't see them. But then after she falls over because of a wire and gets back up she can suddenly see them which at first she doesn't really question because uh, she sees have them having tied up the boy to a pillar and torturing him basically. So uh, they're trying to get information out of him about other demons. He doesn't give them any information about other demons but, and that is why I told you to remember his name, he talks about Valentine because he mentions he can tell them where Valentine is. They're, they are though say that he is talking or basically bullshit. They don't say bullshit but it's expressed like that and that he's lying because uh, Valentine is dead as they think. So I'm going to tell you right here that Valentine is the main antagonist of these books and we're going to find out why in later chapters and I have this in my plot notes because honestly I'm trying to be more detailed than I was last episode and I hope this is going well so I would love some feedback. After getting sidetracked here again, let's get back to the plot because Clary 
um, having seen this, obviously I uh, don't just want to let them murder Guy because she still thinks that he is a normal human. The others though know that he is not and he by then also knows that they are shadow hunters because he saw Isabel's runes under her dress. She's wearing a dress that is covering her whole body but he, he saw a glimpse of her wrist and so he knew and they started fighting. And so Clary interferes with them, torturing the boy as she sees Jace trying to kill him and I want to read this out again. It is in my version of the book on page 13 because this has some interesting information and it also brings Jace's character across very interestingly at first and gives us a first look into Clary's character. Clary could take no more. She stepped out from behind the pillar. Stop! she cried. You can't do this! Jace whirled so solid that the knife flew from his hand and clattered against the concrete floor. Isabel and Alec turned along with him, wearing identical expressions of astonishment. The blue-haired boy hung in his bonds, stunned and gaping. It was Alec who spoke first. What's this? he demanded, looking from Clary to his companions as if they might know what she was doing there. It's a girl, Jace said, recovering his composure. Surely you've seen girls before, Alec. Your sister Isabel is one. He took a step closer to Clary, squinting as if he couldn't believe what he was seeing. A Mundy girl, he said half to himself, and she can see us. Of course I can see you, Clary said. I'm not blind, you know. Oh, but you are, said Jace, bending to pick up his knife. You just don't know it, he straightened up. You'd better get out of here if you know what's good for you. I'm not going anywhere, Clary said. If I do, you'll kill him. She pointed at the boy with the blue hair. That's true, admitted Jace, twirling the knife between his fingers. Or do you care if I kill him or not? But because, Clary spluttered, you can't just go around killing people. You're right, said Jace. You can't go around killing people. He pointed at the boy with blue hair whose eyes were slitted. Clary wondered if he'd fainted. That's not a person, little girl. It may look like a person and talk like a person and maybe even bleed like a person. But it's a monster. Jace, said Isabel warningly, that's enough. You're crazy, Clary said, backing away from him. I've called the police, you know. They'll be here any second. She's lying, said Alec, but there was doubt on his face. Jace, do you... He never got to finish his sentence. At that moment, the blue-haired boy with a high yowling cry tore free from the restraints binding him to the pillar and flung himself on Jace. They fell to the ground and rolled together, the blue-haired boy tearing at Jace with hands that glittered as if tipped with metal. Clary backed up, wanting to run, but her feet caught on a loop of wiring and she went down, knocking the breath out of her chest. She could hear Isabel shrieking. Rolling over, Clary saw the blue-haired boy sitting on Jace's chest. Blood gleamed at the tips of his razor-like claws. Isabel and Alec were running toward them, Isabel brandishing a whip in her hand. The blue-haired boy slashed at Jace with claws extended. Jace threw an arm up to protect himself and the claws raked at splattering blood. The blue-haired boy lunged again, and Isabel's whip came down across his back. He shrieked and fell to the side. Swift as a flick of Isabel's, Isabel's whip, Jace rolled over. There was a blade gleaming in his hand. He sank the knife into the blue-haired boy's chest. Blackish liquid exploded around the hilt. The boy arced off the ground, gurgling and twisting. With a grimace, Jace stood up. His black shirt was blacker now in some places, wet with blood. 
He looked down at the twitching form at his feet, reached down and yanked out the knife. The hilt was slick with black fluid. The blue-haired boy's eyes flickered open. His eyes, fixed on Jay's, seemed to burn. Between his teeth he hissed, So be it. The Forsaken will take you all. Jay seemed to snarl. The boy's eyes rolled back. His body began to jerk and twitch as he crumbled, folding in on himself, growing smaller and smaller, until he vanished entirely. So, part of why I wanted to read this out is that we see um, them interacting a bit for the first time, but also because we learn a bit about demons, and that they, uh, basically when they die or get killed, they uh, vanish into their own dimension again, which is fun fact, called Pandemonium, just as the club. And, well, we see then Clary freaking out, trying to run away, but uh, Isabel traps her with her whip, and they try to uh, decide whether to take her to the Institute or not. And the Institute is basically where all the Shadow Hunters that are currently in the city live. So not all the Shadow Hunters live there, and we'll find out about this later on, as Jace kind of explains it to Clary. But only the ones that are currently uh, in the city or on a mission somewhere close. And it's kind of a sanctuary for all of the shadow hunters of the world. It is um, placed in many different locations. For example, this one is in New York where the whole book plays. Before they can decide though, Simon comes in running with a bouncer. But uh, since obviously he doesn't seem to be able to see them, None of them are. They um, vanish and Clary and Simon take a cab home. With that we kind of end the first chapter and for the beginning it is a very active chapter. So the second one starts out more chill because we just start out by Clary trying to draw but some of her muse doesn't seem to be there for a moment which is uh, something many artists but also writers know. And then Simon calls and it's nice to see them just normally interacting as humans, her trying to move on kind of from what she saw the other day and he also prank calls her about it so he makes a joke out of it. They're friends so it's probably okay. Um, they try to decide on a band name and in the background you can hear them interacting, well he can hear them, we can read that he hears them interacting with his band and they're just sitting around thinking about band names and that is when Luke comes in for the first time. So Luke or Lucian Greymark, as I mentioned before, is a close friend of Clary's mother who as he has says himself has always known her. She used to call him Uncle Luke but he doesn't but uh, he doesn't want that anymore for different reasons. And they're the relationship, so the one between him and Clary's mother, is straight up just platonic because, um, not because they don't like each other and uh, that way, but because, as Clary thinks, dad died and was in, if I remember it right, the military, I don't have it written down, and her mom never got over that. We later find out more about Clary's dad, and I'm going to mention that again. Um, she asks him whether, um, well, she thinks she's going insane after that, so we think she's dealing with it, but after the experience in Pandemonium with the Shadowhunters, she thinks she's going insane, so she asks him if he's ever seen something uh, that no one else could saw that was 
invisible to everyone else and to that he says something that I personally find to be very beautiful so I'm going to read that out again so it goes like this I know it sounds crazy Clary ventured nervously but he turned around his eyes very blue behind his glasses rested on her with a look of firm affection Clary you're an artist like your mother that means you see the world in ways that other people don't. It's your gift to see the beauty and the horror in ordinary things. It doesn't make you crazy. Just different. There's nothing wrong with being different. Which is also, again, a theme in the books that I find to be very interesting. Like I said, I'm going to talk later about how Cassandra Clare also uses representation of LGBTQ+. It is uh, in this book already, which is pretty early because I don't... I'm not sure when it was written, but it is uh, older than now. And it's just, that's also the thing why I really like her books, because they're not, they're about a magical world, but they still somehow achieve to be relatable with the characters, and all the characters have their flaws and seem 3D, even characters that may seem a bit more minor. And they're all fleshed out, which is just something I really adore about her writing style and has kind of changed how I see books for me since I've read her books so relatively early for me. So then we meet Clary's mother, Jocelyn, for the first time. So we really meet her then. So she comes in and tells Clary that they're going to pack, which Clary, of course, um, doesn't really understand. So she thinks they may be moving or something and it turns out they are so she tells her that they're going to move to Luke's farmhouse outside of New York for the summer which means Clary would have to drop out of her summer art school program and leave her friends which she obviously doesn't want to do I mean she has a cool place at an art program and she loves to draw so that would be very inconvenient but before things can really get heated or escalate even, Simon comes in and takes Clary out to eat and they go to a poetry slam to support um, a friend and band member of Simon. There she also sees Jace again, kind of outside of the window and excuses herself to follow him into an alleyway where he kind of um, gives her a magical info dump. So he talks to her about Shadow hunters, which, as I've mentioned before, are the group he belongs to and they kill demons, but they also descend from angels. And that is um, mentioned in a later book I'm actually going to talk about this month, but it's an interesting story and has very, very far away roots in history. So then there are, well, he also talks to her about the downworldless which are, it's just a general umbrella term for all of the supernatural beings that are not shadow hunters. So warlocks, witches, warlocks and witches are the same, and vampires and werewolves and everything like that. And we also find out that they are all descended from different demons, which is why, for example, werewolves, or as they are called here, lycanthropes can't stand vampires because apparently, which is just a funny little tidbit, their roots came, come from a different demon than the vampire ones and these demons hate each other so the different species can't stand each other either which I find to be very funny and just 
is kind of a little fact that we learn about as we do with many other little facts. So he also tells her about marks and this is, these are the runes that I promised to talk about for multiple mentions now. And the runes are like magical tattoos and they give the Shadowhunter special abilities. There are many of them. They are beautiful. Little fun fact, I actually used to draw them on my skin because they're just they're very interesting and they're not like Nordic runes or anything I've seen before so I think they were made up for the book series but don't quote me on that because I ain't sure. And he also tells her about Hotch who is a character that I'm now going to talk about. He is one of the ones that is in this clave file thing but I didn't want to talk about till now because we only meet him till later but we found out that he is um, kind of Jace's mentor and he is someone who always is at the Institute and he's called Hodge Starkweather. He was born on the 5th of Febru February in 1971. He has grey black hair and grey eyes and a thick scar on the right side of his face and as all Shadowhunters do, a voyance rune on his right hand. Actually, the Voyance rune is the first rune every Shadowhunter gets as a child and it is um, for once because it strengthens their view through these glamours that I mentioned before but also to kind of see if the child is actually strong enough because there are cases where the child is not strong enough to hold the rune and then they either die or become something else that we meet later. So that's what he tells her about and he doesn't, he probably wants to say more but he doesn't get to finish because she gets a call from her mom. So Clary's mom calls her and it is a very worrying call because he can hear crashes in the background and she tells her to not come home. So Clary runs off as her phone dies to uh, go to her mom because she is scared for her of course. And she gets home to a completely destroyed apartment and her mother's gone. Then she gets attacked by a demon, which is called a Revenant. She's able to fend it off, but she gets venom on herself and faints, which I mean is pretty valid, because I think all of us would faint if a crocodile-like slithery demon would attack us and we get their burning venom on ourselves. But anyway, she again wakes up in the garden, kind of behind the house and with Jace. He, um has killed a demon while she was asleep and he gives her a rune which name um, I don't have written down or it wasn't stated, I'm not so sure but uh, it's a rune that kind of makes that makes this glamour appear around her so that mundanes or mundies normal people won't be able to see her anymore so that they can sneak to the institute and little funny bit they don't walk there. He carries her, kind of, be kind of because she has this venom on her and could probably die. But I'm guessing probably also for hmm, personal reasons, because well, it's still like, would it be a young adult book without a little romantic triangle? Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> well, anyway. There she sleeps for three days and then we meet we meet Isabel again who lends her clothes and Jace offers to bring her to Hodge because he wants to talk to her. And he tells her a bit more about Isabel, Alec and their family. 
So it turns out that uh, besides Marys and Robert, who are their parents, they also have another little brother who isn't there at the time. He um, makes his first appearance in the second or third book, I think. And, well, not to say much about him, but he's, he's very cute. He is much younger than them, there's not much said about him, but he exists. His name is Max. And they are currently not there because they are in Idris. They are amb ambassadors. And they are in Idris, which is the hidden land of the Shadow Hunters. It is found to be between Germany, where I live, yay, and France. So, um, probably near Luxembourg or something. And yeah, he also tells her a bit more about the Institute and the Shadowhunters in general. And then we officially meet Hodge. And they meet him as his, at his library that I would love to visit because it is described as a tower full of books. Which, well, could be my room, but I would love to see that anyway. As we meet him, we also find out that Clary apparently isn't as mundane as we thought she was. Because otherwise... She wouldn't have survived the rune Jace gave her, so he put her in a near-death situation because he didn't know whether she was actually a Shadowhunter or not. So it turns out she does have Shadowhunter blood and luckily survived. So uh, Hodge then also reveals more about the overarching plot of the book by telling them about the Mortal Cup, which is this, um, well, it's a special golden cup. Well, it is golden in the movie, and I have actually seen the movie and tried to watch part of the show, and I'm thinking about making making a bonus episode about that. But anyway, he tells them about the model cup, which is the cup that shadow hunters are made with. So, um, with the so their law is kind their lore is kind of that the archangel Raziel came down and put his blood in this cup mixed with. Mm, human blood and gave it to drink as a drink to Jonathan, which is actually, fun fact, a very common name throughout these books, to Jonathan Shadowhunter. He was the first Shadowhunter and so all, all people are named after him and this is also why so many Shadowhunters are named Jonathan. This is really a common name there. <laughs> and that is kind of their lore and this cup though got stolen by Valentine, who um, is now supposed to be dead, but this name we have heard before when the demon told him that he knew where Valentine was. So, hmm, maybe he isn't dead. I can tell you he isn't because he is the main antagonist of this whole book series. So, of the first, of the first series, because this is the Mortal Instruments series, it has six books. City of Bones obviously being the first one, and then they are following more that I'm going to talk about throughout the month. But he is the main villain of this specific book series. He also comes back in a later one, but hmm, that's for you to find out. So Jace and Clary then leave to search for her mother, and that is where the plot really starts for me personally. Because we find out that not only was Clary's mother Shadowhunter, who would have guessed? But also that Valentine is apparently Clary's father, which no one knew about till now. And um, Clary's mother, Jocelyn, apparently stole the cup from um, this model cup from Valentine and fled with Clary when she was a baby, which is why um, Clary didn't know about any of that. 
We also again meet Simon, who is observing Luke, because he saw him pack a bunch of glowing weapons into a duffel bag. Luke himself, uh, we, uh, well, we find being tortured by two shadow hunters who, as it turns out, are at fault for the death of Jace's father, Michael Wayland. And yeah, Simon then again returns with them to the Institute, where we learn more about Valentine again, in that he used to lead a group called The Circle, which Hodge, Jocelyn and others we've already met were part of. And just basically this group's overarching principle is they want to purify the world by killing all downworldlers because they think they are not worth anything. So they want to kill all werewolves and warlocks and vampires instead of peacefully living with them. And this is basically they're huge racists. So in another book series that plays in the 1800s, which is the um, Infernal Devices series, we learn also that not only are... Yeah, I can say it as it is. In general, downwardlers are... I think kind of an analogy for, well, black people, or basically not white people, because, um, like I said, the circle were huge races, and in this series that plays in the 1800s, we also find out that apparently then they used to throw out the plates that downworldless ate from, and they were just hugely discriminated against because they're not... Um, descending from angels but from demons, so they're all half-demons from different demon species, which is pretty interesting if you think about it, and it's actually something I think everyone would like to learn more about, because you don't see that every day. And, well, yeah, we learn more about that, and that they were part of this group, everyone who was part of this group also got punished, and like I said, Valentine is Carrie's dad, um, because Jocelyn was apparently married to him. And um, I'm not sure if it finds out in this book because, well, I've read it throughout the week but I've also studied a lot so I don't remember everything on a later book. But Luke, who uh, actually used to be a shadow hunter, not going to say anything about that used to be, uh, also used to be Valentine's Parabatai. So I mentioned that before with Alec and Jace. Something just fell down. But Luke, when he was still Lucian, Greymark, and Valentine Mongstern used to be Parabatai. So Luke was also part of that group, which is probably where he knows Justin from. And then they ran away together and fled when they found out how cruel the thing they were serving actually was and how crazy it was. Hodge also seemed to think that Clary might know where this model cup is. So, um, because her mother, like I said, stole it from Valentine, so he thinks she might have told Clary where it is, where it is. But we then find out that apparently there is a block in Clary's mind, so um, she can't access any memories that have to do with her shadow world. And that is because her mother got a warlock called Magnus Bane to put this block there to kind of, um, well it was to protect Clary so that she wouldn't find out anything about the shadow world because as Magnus, who we later meet, says uh, her mother wasn't hiding from Valentine specifically but from all shadow hunters. So we also learn that the shadow hunters may not be as great as we might think they are. 
which uh, I again find very interesting because often in young adult books it is kind of portrayed as if um, the magic world the heroine belongs to is perfect and everything is great there and they're way better than humans and everything but Shadowhunters have their own very specific problems they're still pretty racist towards um, downworldlers but also mundanes there is um, in the later series again another racist group that um, tries to work their way up and the political impl implications throughout the books are just very interesting because when we delve more into the Shadowhunter world and their politics we see that it's actually very close representing of our actual current po politics especially I think in the US because Cassandra Clare is American so it kind of is a representation of our world which I find to be um, a difficult thing to put into a young adult book and especially a fantasy book and many authors fail to do it right but I think she does it very well so you don't have to constantly think about the politics but if you actually are interested in that it is interesting to see it and you can kind of find that put throughout the books so yeah, they plan to meet um, the warlock, Magnus Bane, at a party he's throwing for his cat. <laughs> he is just a very sympathetic fella. He is a... I'm not sure if I remember it right. He's either pansexual or bisexual. He and is a glitter-wearing, eyeliner-liking warlock who kind of helps the group throughout the books and gets very important to certain characters. So while getting ready for this party, Isabel and Clary talk and kind of bond a bit and earlier we see that Alec doesn't really seem to like Clary all that much and Clary asks Isabel in this certain scene if Alec might be gay and he, she tells her yes but he doesn't want to talk about it because he's afraid that his parents might disown him which is a valid fear and I personally can relate to that because well my dad is pretty okay with it but not everyone has family who is okay with their sexuality or gender identity and that is again a point where I that is where I just want to talk about representation for a quick bit because like I mentioned in my introductionary episode I'm gay hi huge lesbian over here and I personally really relate to some of Alex and also other characters experience and she has she doesn't only just fo focus on gay characters or even bi characters with Magnus I think he's pan though because she has a huge variety of um, characters that bring representation throughout her books like in a later series that just came out a few years ago that I've actually also read I've read like 13 books of hers um, we have a transgender character who also um, can't be open about that because of their politics in this world which is again a point where I find that to be very interestingly represented and then we also have polyamoristic characters in that series well I see them as poly it is not specifically said that they are but if you read it you'll see what I mean or if you know the books actually you'll know who I'm talking about and it's just very interesting also um, they have different worlds so we have the mundane world but we also have the 
and it is also featured in that book, The Fairy World. Well, fairy. Um, which is again another downworld category kind of species. And for example, for them, it is completely, well, normal. Well, for the shadow hunters, it is pretty unthinkable, for example, to change your gender because that would be a mundane. So they can't do gender surgery because that would be a mundane thing to do. So they don't even have doctors because they have these steelies, which is the thing you draw your runes with. And they just do everything for them because there's a scene, for example, where Jace gets his arm broken and he just draws a healing healing rune. So they all have to learn these runes on his arm and in a mere matter of seconds he's completely okay again. So they don't need that. But they also look down upon humans which are actually the ones they are supposed to protect which again politics very interesting so magnus tells us more about the block and that like i said clary's mother was hiding from the shadow hunters and kind of warns her when they meet him and um he's a very interesting fella and he also he flirts with alec which is a thing i really like so again for example for a second representation these two characters were kind of the first really openly not straight characters I had in my young life when I read this with um how old was I well like 10 11 something like that they were the first real representation that also kind of helped me realize what my sexuality was not only them but of course um they were a part of that and I Really, this is another book why I adore the. This is another fact why I adore these books so much because they have helped me hugely. And um, well, another relatable thing, Alec is actually in love with Jace, which might explain why he doesn't like Clary all that much. But as I mentioned before, Parabetai are not allowed to date, and I can already tell you, Jace is pretty straight, so uh, they don't have a future. But well. Magnus already flirts with Alex, so there might be something like that. And then the last plot point I want to mention before going into a little general point again before this gets too long, and I will have to edit a lot out. And, um, well, Simon, who they for some reason took to that party, probably he just didn't want to be left out. I mean, he's the only normal human out of them, and he and Clary both have no training, but Clary can at least be healed with runes. Which, well, Simon cannot, because uh, we find out earlier that when humans or downworlders get runes put on their body, bodies, they either die or get turned into Forsaken, which, uh, if you remember, the demon boy in the beginning mentioned. And Valentine, well, I can spoil you, he has an army of them. And these are just tortured, huge giants who try to kill everything around them and destroy everything around them. Well, so Simon can't be even healed if he gets attacked or something. But he dances there with Isabel, who he takes a liking to, and she does too to him. But he drinks something at this party, and there are many downworlders there, also vampires. He gets turned into a rat and kidnapped by vampires. And... This is also a point where when you think he's the only normal one, no, he gets later turned into a vampire. And this is just again an interesting thing because it, that is like, it is represent, 
representation of many diseases, I think, personally, because he has to deal with that, otherwise he would be dead. And he um, has to, well, you know, in this world, vampires can't walk out into the sunshine as, well, every vampire except for Twilight can. <laughs> you know if you've seen it. I haven't read Twilight, but I've seen it. Tell me if you want me to read it, because I'd be very interested in that. But anyway, he's a normal vampire who can't walk out into the sun, so he has to kind of find a way to for his mom to not find this out and to kind of bring it into his normal life because him and Clary are both only 15 in the books which is a thing the series doesn't do right because in the series for example Clary turns 18 in the first episode but um, even if this is very young I find it interesting because it makes the stakes go even higher well they save him he gets turned into a vampire and there is a later instance that actually makes him be able to walk in the sunlight and that also causes many other problems with other vampires. So he kind of gets his own story, which is what I mean by all characters are really fleshed out and have their own problems in all 3D. And that is just one of the few facts why I, and I've expressed this so many times throughout this little review, why I really, really love her books. So you might see them as boring young adult books, but I personally think just the amount of representation alone and then the political implications that are maybe not the strongest in that book but in following books and also how she puts these little tidbits of information that uh, you later see oh my god that was in there I actually needed to know that good and I remembered that it's just a really interesting experience I personally have loved rereading this book even if it wasn't a very short amount of time because uh, for me exams have started uh, over the last weeks and it's just I wouldn't say a must read but if you like fantasy books and young adult novels I would really recommend you to read it especially if you want something with good rep representation interesting characters yes there is a love triangle I can already tell you but well it isn't directly the complete focus of the book it is mostly in the first book and it gets kind of special throughout the books, but I don't want to spoil too much. And yeah, just in general, again, tell me what you what you thought about this little episode. I try to be a bit more specific with details because I think um, I kind of missed that in the last review. And I thought I should put in some more because it kind of gets gives you a better view of the book. And I personally thought about a bit more about what I like in reviews so I would love to hear some thoughts of some of you and if you want follow me on Instagram I'm going to link that again in the description but um, yeah for the end I just want to make a little announcement and try not to start rambling again like last episode and um, because the announcement is that next week's books is not really going to be a storybook it is going to be written by Cassandra Clare and other people but it is going to be kind of a special book belonging into the series because uh, next week is actually my birthday so I normally record on Sunday but today is Saturday and Sunday in a week is my birthday and I won't have time otherwise to record uh, today is just special that I record actually a day earlier because we have to do some painting jobs around the house tomorrow not important 
But that's just what I wanted to mention because next week's book isn't really going to be a story book. It is still a book that I really like and I would like for you to listen to it. But it's probably going to be a short episode, either that or I'm actually going to make the special episode I mentioned thinking about um, where I talk about the movie and show relating to this book. So you'll see that next week, but I just wanted to put this little announcement in here so that you know what is coming and won't be um, thinking that I just got lazy after two episodes or something. So yes, I hope you enjoyed this. Give me some feedback anywhere. I'll link my email, my, um, some social media in the description and I hope to see you all, all see you all next week again. Goodbye. Bye.